I've never in my 56 short years dealt with a company that treats their customers like you do. No matter, there's no matter where you go, you think people care about your customers. Welcome to the Think It, Make It podcast with your host, Eric Royer, all about turning your ideas into reality with a CNC router, tips and tricks, new products, interviews, and much, much more. This just got exciting. Whether you're using a CNC for business or hobby, we have great stuff in store for you. Okay, everybody. So today I have the pleasure of having Mike Wynn with me. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. Excellent. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to do uh, do this podcast episode with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's the least I could do for step <laughs> I appreciate that. So, uh, so where are you located now, Maryland? I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. The suburbs, just kind of, you can see the city from where I'm at, but uh, the okay. suburbs. So you're getting uh, all the nice weather that hasn't been pushing its way up to us in Connecticut. Oh, I am so ready for it to quit raining. Yeah. Uh, my yard is a mess. It needs to be cleaned <laughs> up, and every weekend I schedule it, it rains. You've been getting some heat down there, though, that we, we haven't been seeing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And unfortunately, it looks like this week uh, better better weather's coming, so that's good. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to it. So, Mike, you you have a, a Stepcraft 840, correct? I do. Yeah, I do. Cool. I bought it back in June of 17, I believe. Uh, so you've had it for a couple of years uh, now, and uh, I see I follow all of your uh, posts on Facebook. So every time you you post something, and uh, I got to say you're you're one of my more really creative customers. I love watching. Uh, uh, you know, whenever I see a post from you, you've always got something really cool that, that's coming up. Uh, I, I dream up. My wife is that she's the culprit in most of that. She'll dream up something a plaque for somebody or a gift for somebody and she'll dream it up and say, can you make this? And my task is to come out to the shop and figure out how to make it. <laughs> That's, that sounds pretty good. My wife is a, a Pinterest freak. So every five minutes it's, I have a huge honeydew list of, can you make this? Can you make this? So yeah. it's good. I'm, I'm not really the super creative one. So, but I can pretty much make anything somebody shows me. So it works out well, but that's that's how our house is uh, slowly getting decorated by a Pinterest <laughs> post. So you um, on the A40 now. Tell me a little bit about the system. What do you uh, what do you have for a spindle that you're using? I'm using the HF 500. Okay. Uh, yeah. I really like that thing. It is to me. It seems pretty quiet. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any trouble with it. it. Seems to work really well. And uh, do you have any other attachments for the machine? I do. I have the 3D probe. I've only attempted to use that one time. I have the uh, uh, the drag knife. I have the drag knife. I have a tool changer, the uh, tool link sensor, uh, and that's about it, I think. I so do you use the tool changer a lot on that machine? I did when I first started, but uh, I, I've got to my compressor went out. And I never replaced it, so I just took it off, and I just find it just as convenient, really, to uh, to use it. Yeah. Annually, put the tool in. So are you doing a lot? I did, I did have it working. I loved it. Oh. I loved it. I was trying to figure out how could I make the tool rack longer, other than buying another one. Right. Uh, side story to that: My brother works at uh, University of Massachusetts. He is a shop foreman of the entire. Sh- uh, engineering shop. So he has million dollar machines and we were up there playing around with one of his, uh, 
3D printers. And he said, hey, I can print, I can do carbon fiber printing on my machine that I have, 3D printer. So we took the tool, the tool rack, expanded it out to, I think, 14 tools, and we printed it out. It's a, it, it meshes the carbon fiber in the plastic when it's making it. So it made it super strong, and I loved it. I oh, loved it. cool. 14 tools in there and set them, get them all set up and away you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I, I, I love it using a tool changer as well. I, I, we, I use it on pretty much all our machines. Did you find any limitations with that tool changer though? As far as, uh, I know we were limited on eighth inch shank for a while for tool holders. Did you, were you able to get quarter inch ones as well? I did. I got, I had a mixture of both. Okay. It worked quite well. I didn't have any trouble with it. That's good. Once I learned, uh, went back to your manual that you provided and went through the steps to set every tool up, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. It worked Mm -hmm. like a champ. I didn't have any trouble with it after that. That's great. So was this your first CNC or did you have one before? No, this is my very first. Uh, My brother, like I said, the University of Massachusetts, I go up there and visit him all the time. I get to hang out in the shop and he said, hey, you know they make desktop CNC machines. And I'm like, oh, really? Because I never researched one before now, mm-hmm. before that time. And I went, obviously, I did like every good soldier should do. And I went and researched several different machines. And it kept coming back to reading the posts about Stepcraft, reading how they do, the product is supported immensely. And other people were happy with it. So I turned around and went Stepcraft. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you for doing that. We're always trying. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do with these podcasts is uh, uh, every one that I've done, it, it's it's nice for me, I guess, as as the guy who's running everything here in the U.S. is to hear that everybody's really happy. But and um, I, you know, I could probably talk to you for hours and hours about uh, you know ab- about our machine, and uh, I do have some questions on that and and your experience, but I also want to. Uh, talk to you a little bit about some of the projects you've been doing too because i'm trying to keep the podcast so that even if somebody doesn't have a stepcraft machine that we're talking about things that uh interest anybody in cnc and uh, you know it's uh although you know when somebody's happy with you you can listen to it all day long so i do appreciate that (laughs) are you doing this for a hobby though or or do you do things that look like one of the photos you had stuff laid out do you do you make stuff and sell it as well I do. I, I attempt to. It's it's hard to get. There's nothing really close around Baltimore, but I do try to make stuff to sell it. As a matter of fact, I'm changing now to the Amazon, uh, oh, what do you call it, craft uh, feature that they have where you can box your crafts up and ship it off to Amazon. Yep. I am actually starting that next week, boxing oh, it. Up. That's great. I, I'm going to have to keep in touch with you on that to see how that's doing. That, cool. I, I thought that was an awesome thing for them to do because – uh, if you're not a uh, retail product type person and you're actually making things, uh, Amazon's the perfect platform to do that. It's like a, a 24-7 craft show. It, it, it really is. And the, the beauty of that is we live right near a brand new fulfillment center. So I can literally box stuff up and drive it over there and drop it off. They put it on the shelves under my account and somebody orders it, they ship it. So you're not involved with it anymore. Once it gets to their warehouse, you're done with it, basically, until they sell it. How does the cost for that? Is it expensive to get involved? It's 
it doesn't cost anything to get started, but they charge of like 13% or 12% per transaction, which is, for me, the convenience of taking and dropping off and not have to deal with it anymore and all the publicity that it gets because now you're using Amazon's platform for people are searching for something for Mother's Day and they find my item and like, hey, that's different. Buy that. Yeah, no, that's that's really that's really a great idea. I got, I got to look into that more. I know that the the Amazon had the FBA, the fulfillment by Amazon for, you know, products because we had actually right. looked into that as well for some of our stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, somebody had told me a couple of weeks ago about the craft aspect of it, which I th- I think is going to be great. Right. Uh, so, what do you have to do there? You have to you have to take your own photos and do your own postings and and everything, right? And they yeah. just take care of shipping it for you. They do. They do. You, you have you basically have another side Amazon account. You uh, do your own. You're not your own marketing, but you like you said, take a picture of your item. Let's say you got 10 of the item. You take one picture, put it on the website. You ship them the 10 items and they take care of as the sales go down. You get a notification that you had 10 of these items. Are you planning on putting more and you just ship them more or you just stop that item? It's. It's it's really convenient for the the crafter to do that. Yeah, it sounds it uh, for sure. Yeah, I really I'm really anxious now to hear how this works for you because uh, we're gonna have to circle back on this in a few months when you're uh, making a hundred thousand dollars a week selling <laughs> craft stuff. Well, I need a new machine to do that. That's okay. We can help you out. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. So, it, well, the nice thing is, is you're you're making things out of. Uh, like a lot of stuff you make is smaller, right? So you're you're able to utilize some scrap wood where people may normally throw it away. You could turn it into something you could sell. I do, I do, I do. A lot of the uh, a lot of stuff is in plywood. I do I do try to do some stuff in uh, in hardwoods. Uh, back to my brother again. The college up there was throwing away every bunk bed in their dorms, and they were all oak. And he gave all that wood to me. So I make a lot of stuff out of oak. Uh, oak is one of my favorite woods. Yeah, I love that one and pur- uh, purple heart. I like they yeah. cut. To me, they cut really well on the CNC. Mm-hmm. The thirteen percent or whatever they're charging on FBA, it really isn't that bad when you think about you're using wood that you probably got for free or or really inexpensive. You would not hear my wife say it's free. She yeah. said it's never free because you got to replace it. Yeah, it's, 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 she argues with me. I'm like, I got it for free. You got to replace it. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Thirteen percent is not bad, considering they're doing the shipping. Sure. Granted, if you have a box of a bunch of a hundred items, you got to box them up and get them to the fulfillment center. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a cost of shipping there, but that's one bulk, bulk type shipping. No. I, I still sell items on the. Uh, I've sold some internet uh, stuff on the internet or. Friends have ordered something from me, and I do the the post office if it fits it ships box. Okay, which works out well for me. When you um, when you send stuff to Amazon for the FBA, are you uh, do you have to prepackage every item? Yes, you do. Yeah. Okay, a prepackage inside of a package, basically. Uh, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, so when it's when it's a craft thing, I guess um, now I'm really interested in, in this. I didn't know I didn't know we were going to talk about this, so this is good. Um, when it's a craft thing, and, and unless you're making um, something that's repeatable, so every single one looks exactly the same, if there's a slight variance with how you painted it or the, the grain of the wood or something, how does that affect how you list the item on Amazon? 
you have to you do know what stuff. i haven't got there yet all okay. of mine are the same so far that i've been doing so i haven't even really thought about that i guess you'd have to list it i i recall on their site when i was trying to list something that there is like they have this option color color or something like that you can pick so uh if the color is different the size is different you can there is a menu to pick those so you could list it separately okay I'll have to I'll have to look into that some more. I'll I'll put some uh, whatever information I can find on this. I'll put in the show notes so that anybody that's interested can can check it out. But uh, yeah, that's great because I I have a lot of uh, people that I talk to that buy CNC machines specifically to make stuff to sell on the weekends. You know, a little side sure. money. And if you're in an area where there's not a lot of craft shows, or like here in, in New England, there's a lot, but it tends to be in the fall. Yeah. In the spring and summer, there there's not people are outdoors. They're not they're not doing craft shows, so it, right. it, it gets a little bit trickier to make money if that's something you're trying to do. So, and this might be another way that Amazon takes over the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's okay with me as long as they let me put my stuff on their warehouse for sale. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, do you have a name? Do you go by a business name or? No, I don't. Okay. Just- just uh, people know me by Mike's crafts and stuff. But okay, that's really all they know me by. Gotcha. I don't have a. I really wasn't working a full time job, and I was trying to not get swamped with a, a business type deal. But as we can move forward into Amazon, we do plan on a website and that kind of stuff. But right now, it's not. So, are, are, do you have a day job too, or? I do. I uh, am actually what kind of made a little bit of this easy for me is I'm a computer programmer by trade. Uh, I write applications in the credit card industry and uh, transitioning to C code or the the generating G code. That kind of stuff was easy for me. Understanding how the macros worked and actually being able to go and edit those macros and that kind of stuff. It came easy for me because it was just in my brain of coding type stuff. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, what it was a little bit, but I have, yeah, uh, my background is computer program. I've been doing woodworking hobby stuff for many, many years. Uh, uh, four or five years ago, I met a guy I found on Craigslist. I was looking for a table saw. He said he was selling his entire shop. And I went to his shop and he had 13 Grizzly machines. Wow. And I bought all of them. Wow. Actually, his entire shop. <laughs> I bought everything down to nuts and bolts and paint cans and all of it. And that's in my shop right here where I'm sitting now is all of that machinery. Wow, that's so great. that helped. Before I got my CNC, I did a lot of woodworking type stuff. And, but I'm into making jigs. I like being able to put a jig on my table saw and cut something. Well, yeah. guess what? The CNC helps me make jigs. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> So you do um do you you do a lot of uh well like you said you're selling on Amazon now so your plan is to make a lot of repeat uh, uh, yeah. repeatable things right yeah so jigs and fixturing is uh, huge for that oh yeah yes sir sure is we're uh, we're gonna be doing a lot more videos and stuff talking about CNC fixturing and and uh, I've got a project that I'm working on now where I've got to make twenty uh, signs for an archery club and. Uh, that I belong to, and they're they're all the same. So I I I got I have a fixture in mind for how we can make this repeatable and quicker, uh, to, so that I can utilize less weight, less have less waste in the wood. 
And, sure. you know, it's a lot of people, I always tell people when they get involved in a CNC, you know, you've got to learn, obviously, how to do some basic CAD CAM stuff, but you really don't need to know how to program. You, right. need, you need to learn about tooling and you need to learn about work holding. Work holding and fixturing is a whole art into itself as you really Oh, can. yeah, it'll bite you in the butt. I was doing something yesterday and uh, one of my clamps that I, I made my own clamps in the T-track table and I did not realize that the the bracket for the the spindle was going to bump that mm-hmm. and it bumped it and it threw the whole project off. Uh-huh. So yeah, fixturing is real. I've tried them all. I've tried the double stick tape. I've tried the super glue method with the painter's tape on both sides. Mm-hmm. They both work pretty well. They both work pretty well. The problem is with the, the double stick tape is if it's a thinner, smaller project, trying to get that double stick tape off is a problem yeah. in your project. Yeah. But I've done a, the whole thing with it. I don't even, I'm right now, I'm not, I don't have a spoil board on. I use these little craft sticks. I don't recommend that if you're starting out because chances are you're going to go further than that. Sure. I've gotten a little bit better at it where so far I haven't hit my table, mm-hmm. but I have a piece of wood over there. I plan on putting a spoil board back on and I, I can't decide whether I want to cut strips to go down each, each, uh, aisle of the, the, uh, aluminum board. Yeah. Or do I want a big board with some T nuts or something on back of it where I can just move them around. I haven't decided which one I'm going to do, but I do need to put a spoil board back on because I'm clumsy sometimes and I'm not paying attention. And, <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've done the same thing. I, I've done the strips on one of our machines uh, because it allowed me to still use clamps. Uh, you know, as, exactly. it, once I put a spoil board across the whole machine, I got to go to screws instead. Uh, so it just really depends on what you're doing. If you're going to, what I always tell people is if your plan is to do uh, aluminum work, then you got to make sure you have the ability to clamp. Uh, oh, yeah. Because you want to hold that really secure. Uh, but if you're just doing wood and plastic, a spoil board's fine with tape or screws. Uh, it usually works more than fine. Um, so you you said you had the 3D Touch Pro, but you don't use that too much then, huh? No, I, I, I researched it a little bit. I did have a project recently that I was going to use that for, and the project fell apart. But that's something I do want to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, i got to watch, hey, YouTube is a, the bomb. That's where you <laughs> learn. Yeah. That's my grandson. Yeah. I, I live on YouTube at night when uh, when I go home. I don't even watch regular TV. It's whatever I'm looking for. I can find a way to do it on YouTube. <laughs> right. It's sure, it's sure. pretty it's pretty awesome for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, overall, with this, you, you, this was your first CNC. I mean, how was the learning curve in terms of the CAD CAM aspect of it? I assume you're using Vectrix software, correct? I am using Vectrix uh, Pro. I sure wish uh, the Aspire was not so expensive, but uh, I'm happy with what I'm, I'm doing right now. I'm just now, maybe in the past month, getting into real 3D stuff and trying to carve that stuff and get it to work properly. So I would like to have Aspire, but oh well. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that, the, and also the support for Vectric is really good. They're pretty responsive if you ask them a question, and the globe, and you just go to YouTube and you can. I need to learn how to do this, this kind of cut on Vectric, or I need to. Have, this toolpath is not working, and you understand why. And the learning curve was not too bad. It really was not. If you invest the, the time to slow down, understand it before you make your first cut, and understand how it works. 
and do a couple of the demos, you're golden. It, yeah. It's not too bad. What do you think of the fact that the Vetric has the uh, 3D preview at the end? Do you, do you find that really useful? I do that. I use that a lot. Yeah. I use that a lot. Yeah. That's I was just at something last night. My, my nephew is graduating the military uh, Naval Academy next week, and he wanted his pin. The, he's going to be on submarine, submarine pin uh, 20 inches big or something, 3D. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked on that. The first one was the bomb. It turned out really good. The second one I started last night, I ruined it, and I got to figure out what I did wrong to get it right before Friday or so next week. It's a 3D carving, an actual yes. 3D. So how did you draw it, or how did you get the 3D contours out of it? I just search online. There's a military emblem website, and it was on there. I just bought it from them. Gotcha. I wasn't sure if you uh, if you had it scanned or if you tried to draw it yourself in another program. Uh, I think I would if I had Aspire, but you can't do that in, veteran, in a, a pro. But we're uh, talking about 3D stuff. I use a lot. I use a... a SketchUp, yep. it works. It does work, and people don't realize that once you've got your drawing done, you can split it apart, and you can export it to DXF file and then put it in your CNC machine and cut the parts out. Yep, yep. I was making doll beds that I made, and I used the doll beds to get the pieces to line up, the SketchUp to get the pieces to line up, because I had trouble looking in, in the VCarve Pro you can't overlap, you can't lay, put, you can't stand a part up and then put the part that goes on the bottom, for instance, right. and you can't line up exactly where you're at. So you, I did it in SketchUp. Uh, the next version of that will be little hooks that hooks together. It doesn't, it, those are all glued together permanently. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife said we need to make it where we can take those apart and when we somebody buys one, then we can put it in a smaller box and they can just put it together, take it apart. It's a good idea. Oh, I see. So you're going to do the hook tabs on it to lock them into place. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And I won't be able to do that in uh, VCarve. Yeah. I'll have to do that in SketchUp or something like some other software. My brother uses uh, oh, a, a big for his CNC machines. He has a five-access CNC machine. He's probably using SolidWorks. SolidWorks, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. That's, I'm thinking of that. And his brain cramp part yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, the other he, thing master he is a master at it you would not believe the stuff that comes out of all the students there they're engineering students and they come to him and say can you make this part and i cannot believe sometimes he dreams those parts up and he makes them <laughs> have you ever taken a look at fusion 360 for doing 3d stuff i did and i parked it so long my free version expired that i got when i bought my machine that one year subscription yep, yep. and I, I was going back to it a few weeks month or so ago and your subscription expired and i'm like well i guess that's out for now go back to SketchUp. i guess i i think unless they've changed it you can uh, because unless you're using it for com commercial use you could just re re-up the free subscription uh from okay. what i understand it's it's still free for non-commercial use Right. Uh, so it's, yeah, I've been, I may do that because I definitely, definitely, I see my future in some more 3D stuff because yeah. people love that stuff. Yeah. They really do. I'm, I'm working on a cribbage board right now and it's going to have a outer ring, a Navy seal in the middle, which is 3D, and then uh, a rope that goes around that that's also 3D. So mm -hmm. I got to get, learn how to do that. But 
Yeah, 3D is the way to go. Yeah, there, there's a really cool sculpting feature you can use in Fusion 360 that lets you um, really kind of freehand what you want things to look like. Uh, Aspire is good, too. They have uh, some good 3D you know, sculpting capability, but like you said, yeah, it's a little bit more pricey. Uh, yeah. But it's it's definitely worth it. But Fusion is something you may want to look at just as an alternative for the uh, when it comes to doing 3D. I will. I will, yeah. sure. There, uh, when it comes to cam, that's a different story. Fusion's cam is really, really powerful, but there's a lot of um, settings and parameters that you have to get used to using. Uh, Vetric definitely has the market cornered when it comes to simple cam and, and right. making it yeah. easy. Um, so these uh, these doll are, so anything we talk about, and I apologize to anybody listening, I, I'm, I'm going to talk in terms of this photo or these pictures. Please understand that um, I will put all these on the on the website so you can see what we're talking about. But right now I'm looking at the doll um, the doll cribs that you sent here. These are your designs. You designed a yep. scratch. So one thing, have you ever looked at Make CNC? Their their um, MakeCNC.com. Have you ever checked them out? No, I think I, no, I haven't actually. No. So they're a they're a company that uh, makes a lot of 3D puzzles. So basically these. Uh, these cribs I'm looking at that you've done would be, they would do it the same thing as a 3d puzzle. So you cut everything flat and they use a lot of tongue and groove or, or, um, uh, uh, locking tabs in their, their right. stuff. Yeah, that's what I need. Yeah. Sure. You should check out their website. Maybe it'll give you some ideas on how they do different interlocking. Um, they have thousands of patterns you can buy for, you know, they started a couple dollars to maybe $10. It's not very expensive. Right. Uh, we use them a lot. We've, uh, We've done quite a few projects with them, and I, I find them to be uh, – I've never had an issue. The, the, the projects always fit together and look nice just like they promise. Uh, it's a great resource for doing um, three-dimensional puzzles and flat packing. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to be like a little mini Ikea at one point, just producing stuff in flat sure. packs. And... There you go. That's, that's <laughs> it. That's the key right there. Yeah. So these, uh, these are made out of plywood. They're a quarter inch plywood. Uh, I even made them because the pictures you're seeing are the baby beds. And then I made these little wardrobes with a coat hanger rack in them. And I made some coat hangers that fit. Uh, my mother-in-law makes the doll clothes for these 18 inch dolls. Mm -hmm. And we got about a hundred different sets of doll clothes that are all on my, uh, she wants me to sell those as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I took those and made a pattern of, I made a specific coat hanger for those and I made a little doll cabinet to hang the clothes up in. So those were pretty popular too. Yeah. That, the, that, uh, was American girl doll. That's a really popular thing. That's an 18 inch doll. Yeah. yeah. That's what our clothes are actually designed for. Yeah. My mom has a business where she makes doll clothes as well for, for those dolls. And, uh, last, uh, fall I took my, daughters they're both uh they were 12 at the time i took them to the city and that was the first stop we had to make was the american girl doll store uh, <laughs> it made me realize that i should have uh invented uh dolls back in the day instead of doing what i've been doing because those things are not cheap and and the oh, store was gosh. packed yeah going back to the coat hangers i used a feature in v carve to uh not a is it an array it's not an array but you do it one you make the design one time and it copies it and you can just 
uh, I forgot what that feature is called. The nesting, doing the nesting. Nest, yep. Nesting tool. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, that's one put of a those. Full, I could put a big a piece of plywood as big as would fit in a machine, and then I would just let it go and come back uh, a little bit later. I'm a little scared about leaving my machine. I've seen so many horror stories and videos where their shop went up in smoke because they didn't pay attention. Yeah. Uh, my machine actually has a, a high-definition camera on it, and I can, at least if I go in and eat dinner or something, I have my phone open and I'm watching just mm-hmm. to make sure I don't need to run back out here real quick. Yeah. I wish I could figure out what some kind of remote stop, emergency stop button. That's what I need. Yeah. I, I was just uh, doing another podcast interview uh, earlier, and uh, we had the same discussion where uh, a guy was running the machine, and he would leave, you know, leave it to run for a while. And he said he he hasn't let it run overnight yet. And I I had one bad experience doing that, and I'll never do it again. So I I tend to keep uh, I'll, I'll as long as I'm in the vicinity and you know, in the in the next room. Um, but it, you know, it's it's Murphy's law, right? That bit's gonna break or that clamp's gonna oh, go out. As soon as you leave the room. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was at the other end of the shop uh, last week working on the table saw, doing something, and the machine was running. And I'm like, what's that smell? And I <laughs> looked up, and it was not blazing, but it was re- it was smoking bad. Something happened in the – I don't know what happened. In the code, the bit just decided to instead of doing a eighth inch at a time, it decided to do a half inch at a time, and it just went into my project and tried to keep going as much as it could, and it's spinning <laughs> just like rubbing two sticks together over there. Yeah, exactly. Don't fire if you don't come and do something. Yep. One of the things we had happen once was uh, we were doing a three D carving. It was a uh, it was supposed to be done out of an expensive piece of wood, so we decided to carve it out of MDF to start because it's cheaper right so we we set it up and we're using a quarter inch end mill for a roughing pass and then uh this particular uh job had uh an eighth inch end mill for a ball nose for finishing but it was a quarter inch shank so what was happening is when it did the roughing tool path it it went side to side you know keeping account for the quarter inch shank on it but when it did the ball nose toolpath, as it reached the end before it changed direction and came back, the shank would rub against the wood because we use yeah. the same. So, so my my tip or what we what we do now is I always add a, a machining allowance to my roughing toolpath by a sixteenth or or an eighth of an inch. So I'm uh, I'm always machining slightly wider so that I never have to worry about my ball nose shank hitting the side of the material. Ah, and, yeah. And that's how I learned because my I, it was the same thing. It was like, what's that smell? And what would happen is the the shank was rubbing against the MDF, and and you could see the the shank turn black. And yeah. Uh, you know, it's it, it's MDF is is good for that because it reeks when it starts to burn. But if it does catch, it lights up fast because of the glue and stuff in it. So oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's uh, doing a machining allowance is uh, I do it now on on everything. Even even sometimes if I'm not sure, I'll just go a half inch. You know, it adds a couple minutes to the machining time, but it ensures me that my next tool isn't going to crash exactly. into the material. Exactly. You talked about using MDF because it's cheaper. I used on some of my 3D stuff, uh, I use the foam, yep. the rigid foam from Home Depot, basically. That I think I'm getting the one-inch stuff, one-inch thick. 
and I try to do a test run with that. And at least then you can run your machine wide open and get done quicker. Yep. On a 3D item. But. We do that too. That's another thing I suggest. I suggest a lot of new uh, beginner users to use foam because you're yeah. less likely to break a bit if you have a bad toolpath than you are with MDF. Oh, yeah. 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 And plus, the MDF is so dusty. Yeah. Which brings me to another point. The, <laughs> I, that is my biggest crutch right now is dust collection. Yep. My wife is to the point now, she wants me not to come out to the shop because it's so dusty. And I have, well, you can't see it in the picture, but I have a n nice dust collection system in here. And I also have a separate one just for the CNC. And I stand there all, however many hours it takes with a hose and keep it clean. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that's got to stand there and keep it clean all the time. But yeah. So one of the things I want to do is figure out a, a dust collection on it that doesn't seem to clog up. I, I think part of the problem is my, it was a car vacuum. I think it's too powerful for the suction, I think. Mm -hmm. It creates a, a vortex or something and the part pieces don't seem to get, the chips don't seem to get sucked up when I had it uh, attached. But that's the, that's, uh, that's a big thing is dust collection because you really got to watch out for that. It, if you're in the shop all the time. Right. That's the uh, exhaust adapter for the uh, HF spindle with a removable brush. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've had some people uh, say that that's, uh, they'll, they'll have some issues with it clogging depending on the material they're using. Now there is, um, if you, um, hmm, it, you're in the crafters club, right? Yeah. So if you look up Rob Malson, he's, uh, he's our rep in Australia. And he, he just uh, is working with a guy there, and they came up with a new dust boot design. I think it's called the Delta Dust Boot. I'll get an inf I'll get the info, and I'll post it on this, and I'll, I'll email it to you as well. Uh, he sent me one to try, and it is a really, really nice dust collection solution for our machine for, for that spindle specifically. Oh, nice, nice. It has a larger area. It uses a regular vacuum hose. Uh, there's no way it can clog, and it has a larger brush that is removable. There's magnets on it to hold it in place. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's what... it, it's I I really like it. I think it's a it's a great product. He did a they did a really good job with it. So I'll I'll definitely share that with everybody here. But it is a good alternative solution for. Uh, and the other thing is is it uh, apparently it will also work with the tool changer which was the other problem that you couldn't use the tool changer and a dust collector. Do you, do you remember when I stopped by there one Saturday, you were in the office there, you'd stop nice enough to let me see the shop on a Saturday, yep, but yep. I had dropped off a, something my brother and I were working on, a, a vacuum adapter. Yeah. And it, we the trouble was getting it to work with the tool changer. Well, we, we got that working, but the problem with my, and I have it and I use it, is if it goes too deep if your wood is too thick it rubs on the top it doesn't have brushes right it was just designed so it just would pick up the the dust of, uh, close by basically and the problem with mine is that's it doesn't have brushes so you once it if you raise it up too high to keep it so when it gets down to the depths of your piece of wood it rubs the top so yeah. But yeah, I'm looking for something to for a really good dust collector. Well, maybe this will this will be something that could potentially work for you in that in that application. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that dust collection is always, especially when you're working with MDF. That dust is so fine; it gets all over everything. It's it's uh, terrible. Oh yes. 
Uh, absolutely. I have my big dust collector. Uh, I bought the kit from Rockler where it's got a hose. The top of it's in, it goes into a 30, 45 gallon drum, but it goes in one hose and it's got a curve in it. And then the other hose faces the other way and goes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I, I was walking around my shop the other day because I had the vent instead of into a filter because I'm in a place where my shop is at that it won't bother anybody to vent outside. Right. So instead of going to a filter, it goes outside. And what I'm noticing is when my my can gets about three quarters full, it's all going outside. I got a big <laughs> pile of wood out back now, yeah. uh, savings out back. But the dust is not coming in here, at least. It's going outside. Yeah, so that's that's definitely a better if you can do that. I couldn't do that where I live. My neighbors wouldn't appreciate it. <laughs> I see you post a lot of uh, edge-lit acrylic stuff, too. So you you do a lot of those signs, huh? I do. I, I bought. I I have about seventy five different ones that I've made. I make the bases. Okay. Uh, two pieces. I carve them both out on my CNC machine, and I buy the electronics. I put them in there and paint them up, basically. But I bought that a diamond bit drag bit. One of the big, maybe it was a Mana or one of those big tool companies I bought it from. Mm-hmm. It's quite expensive, but I love that thing. It it does really. I can't believe how fine a detail it can get. Uh, but yeah, I cut those. I I try to keep. I found a local supplier for acrylic, which is in about quarter mile from here, mm-hmm. and I buy four by eight sheets of quarter inch. And they cut it into 12 by 12 squares for me for free. So it winds up being a nice deal. I don't have to mess with it. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at the couple you sent me pictures of, the deer, uh, or it's, uh, I guess it's an elk. Um, elk, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and then the, the uh, USA one. So my question on the USA one, and um, uh, I'll put this on, on the web as well, You, it's colored. How did you do that? That was an interesting trial. Uh, what I did was I etched the white stri- or the red stripes, then I painted them and rubbed the paint off so it was nice and clean again, but it was still red. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing with the blue and the white. I just left it, it etched. Uh, when I do another one, I won't. I don't think I'll color the text. I'll leave it white. But the fl- when looking in the light itself, when it's turned on, it looks really good. Does it? So the red and the blue. On this oh, flag, it does stand out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's awesome because I, I was, uh, I have an idea for one I want to do too, and I was, uh, one of my ideas in order to get the same effect was I was going to use three pieces of acrylic, well, with, a different, do that. with a different yeah. light on each one and, and put them behind exactly. each other. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I've already started drawing up my base because it ha- you have to split the three colors or right. it's going to overbleed. So. Yeah. I've already made three compartments in my base to do that exact same thing that you're talking about. Yeah, that I uh, that's that's another yeah, it's another project. But when I saw this, I'm like, wait a minute, this looks really good. That's uh, it's a lot of work. It looked like a lot of work though, because you had uh, like where the blue with the the stars and stripes there. How did you do that section? No, it's not as much work as you think. I I I did the blue first and then I etched it. Okay, so. And- you- it scratched the paint off and, and etched it back to white, basically. So the the paint is actually on the un 
Yeah, um, I'm using stain. I'm actually not using paint. I'm using blue, red, white, and blue stain because I do some flags, regular wood flags as well. And I thought one day, let me try this red stain on there. So I would etch the red. I would stain it, let it almost get completely dry. And then I would take a cloth and I'd wipe off the edge so it's crisp again. Mm-hmm. Then I etched the white, which touched up against the red. And a li- any little tiny bit of red that got over it would it would etch it back off it did scratch it back off okay yeah this this came out really really good i i yeah i can't wait to share these pictures yeah i had another question on your base there's a a round circle in the front of the bottom of the base what is that the uh, the electronic the lights that i buy come with a remote control because you can change the colors on it you can make it flash you can make it fade okay and it will go through 256 colors uh the the one on the front is the the ir sensor from the the electronics that i i have okay all right i was wondering what that was i i thought it was either that or uh perhaps a light sensor that it would come on when the room got dark but uh uh well there's an idea there you go yeah. <laughs> An automatic one yeah light that comes people out. love them things they make really really good night lights yeah That's what yeah. people really like them for have you ever seen the video i did with my daughter where she did the eiffel tower i did yeah I did. so so that's her nightlight in her room um people though they for some reason they don't all of mine are 12 inches by 12 inches mm-hmm. now I have one that I bought from China. The base is plastic and it's about four inches in diameter. The plexiglass is an eighth inch and it's only six inches. The the design is only about six inches. Mine are 12 by 12 quarter inch and it seems to look, I had them both plugged in at a craft show and the people definitely stood out and said they like the thicker one. It just seems brighter for some reason. Right. But people are now asking, Mike, I prefer one that's half that size. Mm-hmm. So I'm reinventing the wheel, shrinking everything down to a half inch, which when it comes to putting the lights in themselves is a pain in the shorts to make it very much smaller than that. Because it comes with electronic circuit board, which I'm taking out of the case, and I'm actually hot gluing it into the base so you can't see it. Mm-hmm. But when you shrink it down to six inches, there's nowhere really to put that. And so yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, no, it's uh, they the bases look really nice. I, I like that a lot. So the other thing I'm looking at here is your that I that drew my attention was the these dominoes that you made. So you you have they it looks like they have a chamfer all the way around. Are you doing all of that on the CNC? I'm doing all that on the CNC. Okay, so you're that you painted the dots on. I, you know what? Those are not painted. Those just bit got hot. <laughs> really? It was working, and I'm like, you know what? I'm leaving that dull bit in there, and I'm gonna let it cut these holes and turn them black. So really, that's what you're. That's that's how you did that. Okay. Well, I, I don't think I could recreate it. That was a one-off for my a, mother who um, plays dominoes. So. Okay. But yeah. But you could easily. Uh, what I've learned is if you make those little pocket holes like that and you you could paint them on other projects, I've done a similar, and I'm sure you have too, is you just sand off the little, mm-hmm. you paint it after you cut it basically and sand a little bit off and then, but the chamfer and everything, I just used the V-bit for that. Uh, run. They were all in one big group basically. Then mm-hmm. I chamfered them all and then I cut them out. Now these look really good. Uh, 
The the only so I would do the same thing if I was making these I would I would uh, you know do the holes and then I, yeah I would paint it and then sand off the top. The problem with oak is the grain is so wide that it's hard to do that you because you have yeah, to wind up sanding a lot. You have to sand a lot. So uh, one of the tricks I used is uh, shellac. So I would actually shellac the top first, let it dry, then paint it. And that way, uh, the shellac prevents the glue or the paint from soaking in too far. The other yeah. thing I would do is if if I was going to do these, which now I'm going to have to because it's a good idea, uh, I would I would use a ball nose to do the the dots on it. Probably uh, maybe say go down a thirty second of an inch deeper than you normally would. Then I could go ahead and I could paint all the holes using a, a acrylic brush or whatever. And then come back with a quarter inch ML and plane off the top, do there it all on the CNC. Um, exactly. There, you, yeah, that's a good idea. I then like you, that. you don't have to sand, right? You have a machine. Yeah. See, that's my thing is I have a CNC machine. I don't like sanding, so I will always figure out a way to to minimize sanding if I can. I just speaking of sanding, I just two days ago I ordered this. It's a Dremel tool bit. No, I don't have it sitting here, but it's changed my thought on, because you get all those little fuzzies. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost, you almost cannot prevent it. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there have really good luck of not getting the fuzzies, but it seems like I always do. And it's sanding with these little sanding sticks all the time to get the fuzzies out. Yeah. Well, I found this attachment for my Dremel tool just the other two or three days ago. I'm golden now. It it really does a super job of getting the fuzzies out. Is that the paddle wheel with the sandpaper? It that is like it. Yeah. But there's also another bit that's got these little fingers on it that are. It's almost like a wire wheel, but it's it's Dremel size, and you just zip that down your line, and all the fuzzies disappear. Okay. It's, yeah, it's that is saved. I going forward. As a matter of fact, I ordered two or three more just in case I wear it out. But, yeah, that, going forward, that's what I'm doing. If you share that link with me via email, that would be cool. I'll put it on, yeah, because I'd be curious to try it, too. I run into that a lot when uh, when I come when I'm doing carvings where I've got a uh, – I, I get some frays around the ball nose, and it's it's really yep. hard to sand out an uh, intricate carving. You know, well, there was a uh, – the, the other part of the kit that I got for my Dremel was these uh, – I do have that. I don't know if you can see it on there, but it's a wire. This one's more like a wire wheel, and it's kind of worn down now. Yeah. But that actually, when I was doing that, I was doing the uh, the 3D Navy emblem. That actually polished it like you wouldn't believe. It was so nice and shiny when I was done with that that I just cleared over it with some shellac, and it, people were like, wow, it's awesome. Yeah. I think I made it out of uh, some African... What is it? Paduck? Paduck? How do you say it? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not the best for pronouncing stuff. Some African heavy, yeah. hard, hard wood that I made it out of. So these other signs that you have on the table, though, the one that says Marshall with the logo, I assume that's a school mascot? That is a school mascot, yes, sir. So that's all hand-painted then, huh? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that, that, looks, that came out really, really nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share these pictures, like I said, and... Uh, what is the W logo in the middle? Is that the wrestling logo? It looks like a W. That's the 
It's yellow and blue. Yeah, that's a, the school name. I, I forget what it is. Oh, okay. So it's a school. I, I almost when yeah. I saw it at first, I thought it was WWE or whatever, like the wrestling. Oh, no, it's high school. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then the cribbage board that came out really nice as well. That's a lot of painting there, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, that was that I, was. I don't have that kind of patience. I made a uh, Brewers logo for my brother-in-law that turned out is. For me, the Brewers logo, and I didn't put it on there, is my best work that I've done ever. Mm. It turned out everybody that goes to his house is like, where did you get that? Yeah. It turned out it's my best work. So you, most of the stuff you do then is is either the acrylic for the edge lit or it's wood, right? Yeah. You don't do yeah. too much metal? I cannot master the metal. I broke five. I bought expensive bits and I broke all five of them yeah. trying to do some aluminum. I just cannot master that. And I just, my son needs something done and he's got a piece of aluminum laying over there and he's like, Dad, I really need this. I'm like, I'm not killing that more bits on it. I said, if you buy them, we'll try it again, but I'm not. I just can't master it. It's just. Well, send me the file that you're working on for that particular project. Let me take a look at it here, and I'll see. Maybe there's something in the cam that we can change to make it, uh, you know, make it perform a little bit better. But yeah, okay. send it yeah. to me because I I can get people to run metal successfully on on any machine with any spindle. So uh, it, sometimes it's just a small tweak that you have to do, or add a ramp, or you know, change the RPMs for the speed and speed. So we'll uh, we'll take a look at it for you. We'll see if we can get perfect, it fixed. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of tools, what do you what do you use mainly for tools? Are you uh, we we had talked about a little bit, right? Amana, or yeah, I, I do those guys. Uh, there's a local machine shop or a shop right up the street that. So uh, fortunately, it's all all 99% of his stuff is for metal work, but he does have a few woodworking bits that I can buy cheaply locally. But for the most part, it's because I'm I feel like I'm still learning. I use the cheaper bits because I know I'm going to burn them up or break them or something. Yeah. So I'm just kind of a, I haven't learned. I what I have learned is, uh, is you need good quality bits. Right. You can buy a pack of 10 for $4 ball nose bit. But as soon as it started cutting, it was smoking. Mm -hmm. And you're like, uh, a good quality bit would not be smoking like that. Because I did have a good quality bit, and I used it, and it's like, what a difference. Yeah. It's like, did they even sharpen it? <laughs> the, well, the, the biggest problem, too, is with that is when you buy a, a cheaper bit, they, they're not supplying you with their chip load and feed and speed data. So yeah. you don't you have to kind of guess on how to run it. And they most likely, they don't even know themselves how fast you have to run things. We recommend using the, the cheaper bits for somebody who's just learning just to save some money. But uh, when you bump up to a, like a, a Monotool or, or any of the higher-end companies, that they'll give you the data sheet. So once you program in the correct feed and speed values, that bit's going to last you forever, and you're not going to have any smoking issues. I'm terrible at that. I'm terrible at the feeds and speeds. You know, I wind up starting my carving, and I'm tweaking feeds and speeds to, to me it sounds like it's happy. <laughs> so your, your feed and speed calculator are your ears. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I need to learn. I need to do better at that, so I can save my bits. Because I know I've spent a lot of money on bits, and I've ruined them just by not knowing what I'm doing with them. There's a piece of software we use called G Wizard. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, guys talking about it on Facebook, but 
Um, the G Wizard software is uh, really nice because you could put all your tools in the library. You tell it what material, what machine you're using, and, and it'll it'll give you um, a lot of parameters that you can adjust to come up with the optimal speed and feed results. And the the software was designed for metalworking, so there's a lot of data in there that you don't need when you're running a router with wood. But if you can look past that, uh, just the basic stuff, like if you have an Amana tool and it's telling you that its chip load range is uh, three to four thousandths, well, you know that you have to run that bit within three to four thousandths for it to be happy. So you would you would type in, okay, I want my chip load to be you know, zero zero three, and you would hit this lock button, and that means any other changes you make in the software will not deviate that chip load. So what it'll then do is you say, okay, the next thing I want to do is I'm running an eighth inch ML. I want to go down and take sixteenth inch passes. So you'll put that in as your pass step, and you'll lock that. Now the software starts doing its calculations. It says, okay, to do a 16th inch with this chip load, you're going to need to run this fast, and you're going to need to run at this many RPMs. Oh, my gosh, I need that. Yeah, it really is nice. And then, But sometimes it'll calculate, and it'll tell you, okay, you need to run um, for whatever you set, say, 30,000 RPM, but your spindle doesn't go that high. So then you can go in and you can force it to run at, say, 20 and what it'll do is once you force it to 20 and you lock that, then it'll automatically tell you what the feed rate you need to be able to maintain that chip load. Yeah, to compensate. It's really, really good software. Uh, we've been, I was reluctant to use it for a while simply because uh, the screen looked complicated and, and, and I don't have a lot of free time. So for me to sit there and learn it, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I, I just put it off. And then when I finally sat down, it took me about an hour to get used to it. And I use it every day whenever I run a job. And it is the difference between uh, your, you know, a really good finish, a, you know, a long tool life to or pulling your hair out one or the other. And it's so nice to, to use it. And I, fi I find the more I use it, the more trust I have that what it tells me to do is actually going to work on the machine. And wow. once you know that, then you just simply put in those numbers. And, and Vetric is easy because you're only choosing pass depth, RPM, and feed rate. There's really no, um, you know, so when you get into Fusion's cam, you know, they, they, there's a lot of other settings you can, you can set there. But Vetric, you only need the three parameters. And once, right. you, once you put those in, um, you're good to go. And so G-Wizard is definitely something that's worth looking at. I think he charges... Seventy or eighty dollars—it's a subscription. You pay by the year, but if you start thinking about how much bits cost, uh, oh, yeah. it, it pays for itself pretty quickly. It would, it would, really yeah. would. So, well, I, I appreciate you taking the time today. Um, I, I guess one question I want to ask you, since you've been doing this for a couple of years now, I mean, if 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 you were talking to somebody that's brand new that is thinking about getting involved in CNC, um, you know, what kind of advice would you give them? Come over to my house and watch me screw it up. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, right. It's. I would say, I would definitely say go with Stepcraft, but I would say don't be afraid to make some firewood because you're going to do that when you start, especially if you're new and you don't know CNC. I made a lot of firewood starting off, but the learning curve is not that steep. It's just setting down, reading the instructions that come with the machine for one, keeping the machine aligned and lubricated. Mm -hmm. I found some stuff that 
my shop is not heated. It's got out here 14, 15 degrees. Mm -hmm. My machine worked fine. It did not have any trouble. And I found this stuff that the garage door guy, when he put, I had a new garage door, he left a can of it. And I'm like, let me try that stuff. It's clean. It dries to a, a hardness. It does not suck up any of the sawdust. I love that stuff, but it's expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just a matter of reading the instructions in the machine, keep it aligned, keep it tuned. You just got to do that with every machine. Mm -hmm. Even my brother's $2 million machine he's got, he has to keep it tweaked, yep. you know, to make the perfect stuff. Yeah, you have to maintain it. Now, you worked with... Uh our support department too earlier on. I mean, I hope everybody took good care of you. And, and oh, I did. Your support department is bar none the best. I was telling my mother-in-law and my wife just a few days ago that I've never, in my 56 short years, dealt with a company that treats their customers like you do. No matter there's no matter where you go, you think people care about your customers. You care about their their mental attitude basically of not understanding your guys will take the time. I think I had one issue where one of your guys logged on to my PC. I set up my camera and we talked to what the issue was and it was my issue to begin with, but they, they didn't care. They just cared that I got it sorted out and understood what was going on. Yeah. So yeah, bar none. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm I'm very proud of my uh, my support team here. They do an awesome job, and uh, sometimes it's a thankless job because uh, you know not every customer has the same experience level and stuff. And these guys will uh, they know that my thing is we don't go home until we know our customers for that day are all happy and taken care of. So it's uh, it's it's not always easy to do, but but it's always good to hear when somebody's happy with it. So I really appreciate that. You bet. You bet. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today and uh, sharing these projects. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting this uh, episode edited and posting everything online to show people. But thank you uh, for the, taking the time today. You betcha. Anytime. Thanks right. a lot. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Think It, Make It podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more great CNC router content.